Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Hey, it's Jacob Goldstein. We'll be back soon with a new episode of What's Your Problem? But in the meantime, I want to play you an episode of another Pushkin show. This show is called Some of My Best Friends Are. And this episode we're going to play is an interview with a guy who talks about the relief he felt when he stopped pretending he was cool and admitted to the world that he was a nerd. So, of course, that immediately endeared him to me. Uh, also in the show is the truly surprising origin of the fireman's pole. Here's the show. I'm so happy I get to finally proclaim yeah. that I'm a nerd, right? I don't got to fake like I like football anymore <laughs> for my friends and all that. That was, I've had to live like this double life forever. Like I was way yeah, cooler yeah. than I was. So I would be sitting at the Super Bowl while everybody's cheering and I would be on my phone like, uh, researching who Charles Wacker is because all day long I've been trying to figure out why they call it Wacker Drive, right? I'm Khalil Gibran Muhammad. And I'm Ben Austin. We're two best friends. One black. One white. I'm a historian. And I'm a journalist. And this is Some of My Best Friends Are. Some of my best friends are... Dot, dot, dot. In this show, we wrestle with the challenges... And the absurdities... Of a deeply divided and unequal country. And this week, the nation's leading urban historian on TikTok is joining us. Sherman Dilla Thomas joins our conversation. His tagline is, everything dope comes from Chicago. We talk about what it means to be a booster for our hometown, a complicated place with a whole lot of history. I am really excited this week about the conversation we're going to have with Sherman Della Thomas. Yep. I mean, yep. yeah, you and I are constantly talking about this balance between like, 
like stories of tragedy and challenge and also like how do we celebrate the good things that are happening? Yeah, yeah, this is so central to to everything we do and like even even probably how we live of like, you know, delving into the really complicated histories of place. Yeah, I have to live with having written a book, Condemnation of Blackness, which people are like, oh, that sounds that sounds really positive. It's not the celebration of blackness, <laughs> but in many ways, like you need both, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so even in thinking about this of, you know, what it means to celebrate a place, what it means to be a booster, something is gained and also something is lost. But here we have this guy on the show, Sherman Dilla Thomas, who might be one of the most positive people about Chicago I've ever come across in my entire life. Yeah, I'm so glad you met him. I don't even know. How, how did you meet this guy? Man, I started seeing his videos all over the place, you know, and, and here he is like wearing White Sox gear or Bulls mm -hmm. gear. He, he's like holding his microphone to, to his mouth. And he is just like spitting knowledge about Chicago, like the first black NFL quarterback, Hall of Famer coming from Chicago. Did I get that right? Yeah, Fritz Pollard. Fritz Pollard, you know, and he actually reached out to me because he did an episode about Cabrini Green and I wrote this book, High Risers, about Cabrini Green. And so we met that way. And, you know, he did this whole episode about public housing in Chicago. Yeah. And just like I was seeing these and learning so much from them. And then they, they blew up. They're all over the place. They're viral. I mean, he has reportedly over four million views counting just from last year. I mean, who knows how many more now? And he's also started a, a bus company to take people on actual tours of the city, mahogany tours. This is a really incredible use of history, right? I mean, so you're a historian and this is history that is somehow being lived and experienced outside of books even. It's, it's traveling all over the place and he's on, he's on the news here, he's on television. He becomes a kind of ambassador for Chicago. Yeah, man, I'm really excited to get to, to know this guy too because as a historian, it's not often the case that one, I learned things I didn't know about my own city. Yep. And two, that you get to use history in a way that is empowering to people who live in a city. To, to think about their connection to folks who've come before them and use that as a kind of inspiration to say, hey, you know, I should be proud walking these streets because other people have done amazing things who've come before me. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I want to know, like, can you both extol a place and also tell about its really complicated, difficult parts at the same time? So let's hear from Dilla. Let's go talk to him. All right. Sherman Dilla Thomas, welcome to Some of My Best Friends Are. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ben, for having me, Brother Muhammad. I'm truly honored to be here. Oh, man, man. I mean, you, we are Chicagoans and we're Southsiders, and you are Chicago's favorite urban historian. That's right. Yeah. The man, the myth, Thank the legend. You. We are <laughs> super excited about this. And, and this is the first time in the history of Some of My Best Friends Are we have both been referred to as brother. I mean, uh, I'm used uh, to Brother Muhammad. I mean, that, you know, that kind of goes with the territory, but we didn't get a twofer until now. We're so excited to talk with you. You are the TikTok history lessons king. <laughs> it's amazing what you're doing. Before we get to that, though, you go by the name Dilla, right? What's that about? My, my mother was calling me Sherm Dealer, like D-E-A-L-E-R. Got it. She used to say that I reminded her of the used car dealers on Western okay. Avenue. I could, I right? I could those. get her to yep. buy any any junk ever. <laughs> and we we all knew better. Western Avenue is a street in Chicago where as soon as you get fifteen hundred dollars as a kid, you go there to buy your used car, and it's it's gonna break as soon as you get home. Everybody's <laughs> car does, but we do it anyway. And so that was that like her thing for me. And the kids heard Sherm Dealer. 
and just start calling me Dilla, okay. right? You know, right. So that so so that's where that comes from. Dilla, I love it. So I know Ben knows you a little better than I do. So when did you get started, Dilla? And I and I know your your daughter was inspiration, but just for my purposes, tell me tell me exactly yeah. when you got started. I got started right about November of 2020. Okay. Uh, we, we were all in the house. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. stuck in the house with the pandemic. You know, we were all on lockdown. And right. my daughter wanted to do TikToks and the, the family told her no. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> What's I, up with I that? Snuck... That's mean. What? Come, she well, she was eight, right? She was eight. And they right, thought that so. eight was a little too young to be on an app by yourself. So I let her, I like just downloaded it on my phone. And, you know, and everybody looking TikTok your little heart out, right? Okay. And, um, and then, but also, I kind of figured that'd be a good way for me to just see what she's engaging in, right? You know? Yes. And, and so, we did that. First, she wanted to watch. Then, she wanted to dance. And yep. because, you know, I'm not the best dancer, we were doing, like, those little daddy-daughter challenges. Of course. Right? Of and, course. Right? I did one myself. The same thing. COVID times, little, right? little daddy-daughter mix mixtape on TikTok. Yeah, you know, just bonding with the kids. And what happened was we did one and her friend did the same one. Her friend got like 2,000 views and we got like 60. And, <laughs> and your and daughter was like, was Dad, crushed. you suck. This is all your oh fault. Oh, my you God. Can't dance she was for, so mad. Like, oh, uh, not not just that, but like she she took like a self-esteem wallet. Like, why why her over <laughs> me? And just oh, so man. many things, right? Yeah. And so I was like, you know, I know Chicago history, baby. Let me let me feed you some lines. That has to be the corniest intervention I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> let me do history on your TikTok. That is gonna blow your spot up, baby. I think the first one I did was like maybe telling how Chicago created the time zones for the country. Okay, we gotta hear that. Let's play that clip. You ever wonder why California is two hours behind Chicago or New York is an hour ahead? Well, it's because right here in Chicago, we set up the uh, time zones for the country. And it, it got more views than the lat than what her and I did. Mm -hmm. And then so she said, do another one and let me stand next to you. Right? Okay. She didn't want to talk. She just wanted to stand there. And then we did. And then that one got views. And then and you wow. just started rolling. I just started rolling. You know, have you always been a history buff? Did you always study history? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Ben. Good question. I was thinking the exact same thing. I've always been a history buff. I didn't study history. My dad was a Chicago policeman for 32 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he got hired on October of 1969. Mm. Uh, so so that's the pedigree I come from. And, you, you know, they, they talk history in squad cars. They talk history amongst each other. And then they took their kids to work with them, right? Yeah. Can I ask you one question though, Dilla, about about your dad and go and going to, to work with him? Because mm -hmm. I never really thought about a kid going to work with their father, who's a police officer. I used to go to work with my pops, who was a photojournalist for a newspaper. But I was just loading cameras. Were you putting like little bullets in the in the revolver <laughs> to make sure pops was was all ready to go, <laughs> locked uh, and loaded? No, 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 not quite. You know, really just sit down, shut up, and listen. Okay. Um, just a lot of that. Was was yep. this security detail? Because I know part of what it's in your bio is pretty spectacular, just that your father actually uh, worked as security detail with Harold Washington, right? Yeah. Who was, yeah, who was Chicago's first black mayor elected yep. in, in 1983, yeah. Yeah, he worked at security detail. He worked Kara Mosley's detail. He worked Bobby Rush's detail. You know, that that's what I'm saying. That particular time frame, right, as black politicians are making this, you know, surge, they are picking their own to protect them. 
Mm. Chicago was unique that it had the it started off as the Afro American Patrolman's League. The, now they call it the African American Police League, but it was like a union inside of the union. It's the reason why they're black sergeants. It's the reason why they're black firefighters. Right? They sued the city and got that famous injunction to change the entry uh, exams for both mm-hmm. the fire and police department as well as the sergeant exams. Right. You're giving us a, a TikTok history lesson about the Afro-American Already, Patrolman's man. League. Already, man. You, you just is, like, it's coming out of your pores. It started off as the Afro-American Patrolman's League. And what it was, it was uh, uh, started by Renard Robinson, uh, Howard Sappho. And what it was, was, I'll give you an example, right? A white cop could wear a cross to work because it's considered a religious symbol. And during the 1960s, the Black Power movement was coming into effect, right? Going into the 1970s, right? We wore Afros, we were proud. And so Black officers would want to wear an Ankh, which is also considered a religious signal, especially uh, Egyptian religions, Kemetic religions, right? But Kemetic meaning Egyptian related, right? I mean, it's it's spelled Ankh, A-N-K-H. It's a type of cross that we would wear like a necklace, right? Meaning Egyptian related, absolutely. And black officers would get suspended for wearing their onks, but white officers would not get suspended for wearing their crosses, right? Uh, And so those were the things that activated the Afro, founded as the Afro-American Police League to, to fight back. Like I said, you could see your brother being harassed by white cops. You're your brother, a cop. Your brother in blue. Your, your, not your brother in blue, your blood brother. And so, um, you can see your Ben, you can see your brother getting harassed. Your black dude, you see your brother getting harassed by cops. You pull up, hey guys, I'm a cop. Show your badge, right? That cop would get suspended all the time for interfering with police issues, right? The black cop who was interceding yeah. on behalf of somebody being harassed by a white cop all would be the, the time. One so that's suspended. what started it. That's what that league was founded for. Yeah, it's an amazing. I mean, even telling that story because yeah. you're celebrating this organization and the leaders and even the work that your father did working in it. And the very reason for its founding is that cops needed to fight racism and oppression and corruption within their own ranks. I wanted to just say, just as a matter of like political history, you mentioned Senator Carol Mosley Braun, who is the first black female senator in the history of the nation. And she's only the second black senator at any point after the Reconstruction period. And here's a clip of Carol Mosley Braun from her 1992 run for senator. All over the state, the feeling about this candidacy is electric. And it's electric precisely because people know that we make that this is a watershed election and that it's time for a change. It's time for a change in Illinois. It's time for a change in this country. I say that to say that, like, that's a really big political moment for you to be like as a kid on the lap of your father who's directly connected to these people. That that for my purposes, that makes you an eyewitness to history. I rock your 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 uh, educational brain even more, right? I think the reason why they let me stay in the room because when she was making, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were at uh, Sherman Park. This was like July. She was mm-hmm, doing that mm-hmm. one of those vote for the, the seat campaign side. things, right? Yeah, yeah. On the south side, yes, sir. And so she had like a campaign rally thing at Sherman Park, and she was sitting in the front. My dad was driving. Another car, cop was sitting next to me, and this mm-hmm. was the Pee Wee Little League Championship. And I, I chose to go with my dad and play in the Pee Wee Little League Championship. But I, I remember the conversation. She said, you know, they were like, can you believe you, you're getting ready to be the first woman ever, first black woman ever U.S. senator? And then the same thing you said, they mentioned Reconstruction. And then she said, well, that's the that's Chicago right. thing, baby, that's because right. Oscar DePriest was right. the first to go to Congress 
uh, since yep. Reconstruction 2, right? And I'm, you know, 10, 11 or something like that, but I couldn't wait to use it the next time I was around my dad. So you you had that right? hunger like, to tell other people. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's a really strong impression, both in terms of like seeing this person who you know is larger than life in terms of her political achievements, and at the same time, like getting these history lessons from this same person. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> I don't think I right now I'm probably like that is dope as hell. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're like, you just, you're like oh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't have all those thoughts then. <laughs> that was. I, I promise I did not. And even most recently, right? Like the, the I just wanted oh, to be around my pops. Got it. You know, that was that was uh, because he was a cop. He wasn't really home a lot, especially young ages. You know, I don't remember him at all. Six, seven, eight years old. I remember one time he got shot, and I celebrated because I was like, he for sure <laughs> finna be wow, home. Wow, that's for a, a hell of a weeks. way Damn. to get get them some quality time. Man, he wow. went back to work the next yeah. day. Yeah, he got shot in his hand and they wrapped, sold it up, whatever. And he went back the next. I was so pissed off. At him, it it must not have been his shooting hand, though. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. OK, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dig into more Chicago history stories from Dilla. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Okay, 10 seconds. How many things can you name that are always growing? The universe, easy one. Um, my kids, so far. Uh, To-do lists. Uh, this month, my sugar snap peas. I know that's not always. I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you one more. Businesses on Shopify. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. There are key moments in every endeavor. I ask pretty much everybody I interview on this show about their key moments, their breakthroughs, their failures, their turnarounds, and Shopify can be there for you at all of your key moments. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash problem. Go to shopify.com slash problem now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash problem. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. 
AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. All right, we are back talking to Sherman Dilla Thomas, the Chicago booster and oral historian. So Dilla, one of your taglines is... Everything dope comes from Chicago. You're like one of Chicago's biggest boosters. You celebrate this city. And and maybe just like, you know, tell us something dope that came from Chicago that would surprise us. Give us one of these little history lessons. Uh, the fireman's pole, I think, surprises most people. The fireman's pole, like its use as sliding down the pole comes from yep. Chicago. It's about 1874, it's 1875. And coming out of Reconstruction, Chicago has created an all-black fire engine. It's Engine 21. Wow. They're led by a white captain, but it's, you know, 12, 14 brothers that fight fires in black, and it's growing black neighborhoods, right, that Chicago is starting to have. If you've ever been in the fire station, you'll notice that it has spiral stairs. Mm-hmm. Like every fire station in the world has fi- spiral stairs. And then next to it, is where the pole is. Right. The reason why the stairs are spiral is because we used to fight fires with horses. The horses used to walk up the stairs and eat all the hay, and then you'd be <laughs> wow. looking for the horse, and he up there sleep, right? So that so they created the spiral stairs so the horse couldn't get up there. And then next to it was, they had the pole for the hay loft, right? So the hay is kept up in the third floor because typically that's the hottest place, right? Hay needs to be dry. So you keep it up high in the third floor right. in the hay lofts. Right? Got it. And then it was held in place with a pole. And then because we lazy humans, right, when the horse needed hay, you hmm. kick the pole out the way and hay drops down. That way you ain't hmm. got to go all the way up to the third floor. So, so it wasn't for, for firemen sliding down it? Not at all. It was just to let them. But you know who we don't talk about enough in Chicago is the captain that like decided. His name is Captain uh, Cooley Duan. He was a okay. hero of the Chicago Fire in 1871. And when he seen the black guy slide down that, that hay pole, he's the guy that was like, Yo, that's genius. Go ahead and sand it so y'all don't get splinters. And this is how we will respond from here on out. So, Dilla, I'm listening to you and like, you know, Khalil and I are both, you know, we both write books. We both do tons of research. We both write about Chicago. Like, how do you get all this information? Like, how are you, what kind of research do you do? And also, like, damn, man, like you got this all off the dome. What's what's up? Like, you remember all this? <laughs> Jay-Z ruined my life. So let's start there. I remember that that famous interview he did where he was like, I don't write. And they was like, what? And he was like, you know, I just say my rhymes to myself over and over. And by the time I get back to the house, I don't need to write them down. Right. Mm. It, it becomes an exercise. I went to Eastern Illinois University, majoring in English and African-American studies and probably wrote three papers because I would always say, let me give it to you orally. Right. So when when people read, say, like your book, High Rises, right? Like, uh oh, oh, man. Good. Look at it. Yeah. I, 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 jack, I jack so much stuff out of that book. <laughs> but then better than that, I immediately want to read the stuff that you source from. Right. Right. You know, okay. and th- those are the cheats that I think people people forget about. Right. We want to run the Wikipedia and, and other online sources. A lot of that stuff ain't online man, in that in that in that way. Right. You got to like do do some digging. 
So, so you're just you're reading all the time and 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 going to going to the library and picking up books. I mean, you're like just he's reading footnotes, man. That's more than just reading. That's footnotes. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy I get to finally proclaim that I'm a nerd, right? I don't got to yeah. fake like I like football anymore for my friends <laughs> and all that. That was I've had to live like this double life forever. Like I was way cooler than I was. So yeah, I would be no. sitting at the Super Bowl while everybody's cheering, and I would be in my phone like. Uh, researching who Charles Wacker is because all day long I've been trying to figure out why they call it Wacker Drive, right? So, like, researching is my pastime. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I allow an idea to formulate or I fixate on something and then, you know, I'm researching on that thing and then out of that, you get so many, you know, breadcrumbs and, and those type of things. So that's just yeah. how I pass the time. You mentioned my book, High Risers, which is about Cabrini Green, a public housing complex in, in Chicago. And and I think I wrote it for a lot of the re- reasons you're talking about what you do, is that this was a place that was demonized because of its its poverty and also violence. And you did a TikTok related to my book. Let's uh, press the TikTok machine and listen to it. Pretty impossible to discuss the history of Cabrini Green in 60 seconds. I'm going to give it a try. And that the stories there were much more complex and many, many lives that needed to be, you know, and many stories that needed to be told that weren't being covered. But you did do a TikTok about Cabrini Green. And when you posted it and mentioned my book, you said I owed you a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I got to believe but one, I got the receipts because at least a dozen pe- people in. The, I didn't just post your book. I said, buy this book. <laughs> Man, that is great. We got to hear that clip. Despite it all, the residents of Cabrini Green had a great sense of community. Buy this book. I think the TikTok might, with the first posting got like maybe 130,000 views. How much you paying for a commercial for 130,000 people? <laughs> so I'll, I'll get you a hot dog if you, could, if you could tell us what is the history of the Chicago style hot dog? You know, no one knows that it's such a <laughs> wives tale sort of thing, right? The no ketchup. The best that I can find is that there are already so many ingredients on it that you don't you don't need the ketchup, right? I can tell you the origin of like Italian beef. I love telling that story. Bring it. Come on with that story. So, you know, two of the most iconic Chicago foods are the hot dog and then, of course, Italian beef, because, you know, that deep dish pizza. mm, I'm not really into that. (laughs) Italian beef comes from how we used to uh, um, Italian grannies give us Italian beefs, right? The Italians were like the last arriving immigrants to Chicago at that Mm -hmm. moment. And when they used to walk into the butcher, they was discriminated against. So, you know, if you're a Yankee Protestant, right, they would sell you this sirloin or the T-bone. But you were a darker complected Irish lady, I mean, Italian lady, you, you had to buy the rump roast, right? That's what you they would sell to you. Uh, so that's like not the a chit- tender. The chitlins of the cow? The chitlins of the cow, right? And that's not okay. a very tender cut of meat. That's, yeah, that's not a great yeah. advertisement for it's, Italian it, beef. It's, it's not at all, right? But this is what, but see, that's the beauty about Chicago. Out of discrimination comes amazing shit, right? Because she was discriminated in the butchers. What did she do? She was like, okay, I ain't gonna worry about it. I'm gonna put it in a slow cooker. And when my husband leaves out for work, I'll turn it on. And by the time he gets from work, I'll turn it off. And anything you cook for fucking eight hours is gonna be the most tender <laughs> thing on good. earth, right? <laughs> and what's the cheat? The cheat is the bread. And it don't take anything, especially if you're making homemade bread, right? Little flour, little dough, little whatever, right? You make amazing bread. She took that then eight hour cut roast the rump rice and thinly sliced it and fed her kids, saved a little bit for his lunch, right? And then every day more and more people are like, throw their lunch away and start asking bro for some of his sandwiches because they was really, really juicy and tender because they cooked Mm -hmm. all day. And he started selling so many of his lunch sandwiches, he quit his job and you know, Al's beef, right? Like 
damn man if you if, if you got to be careful asking you a question it is like <laughs> it opens one door and then another and then another you just like go ahead Khalil well I'm curious so do you have any inspirations role models people who you have now begun to model yourself now that you've become basically the most famous Chicago historian I mean at, at this point you own that title well, thank you. Send, send this clip to uh, the city so that they can make me the official cultural historian. I'm definitely chasing the legacy of Tamil Black. There we go. Yeah. yeah, wow, Tamil Black. Let me just say, so he died one year ago at age 102. And he was, I'd say, Chicago's greatest historian um, and lived Chicago history, you know, moving here from the South, uh, being a civil rights leader, schooling Barack Obama. You know, you are living his legacy. Tell us more about him. He moved to Chicago a couple months after the race riot in 1919. He was yep, an right. infant. He uh, He's the gentleman that invited Dr. King to speak in Chicago for the first time, right? Because he was already a civil rights activist, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's a World War II veteran. Uh, he was at DuSable with uh, Red Fox, Nat mm. Tinko, Dinah Washington, Harold Washington. DuSable is a high school here on the South Side. Yeah, uh, second black yeah. high school, uh, second high school constructed for African Americans in the city's history on the South Side. Man, I love all that. I love Tamil Black is amazing. I had the the great honor of of interviewing him a couple times. Um, you know, he is a Chicago booster, and you know, so are you. And I want to talk more about this idea of what it means to be so positive about a city, so positive about Chicago, because this is yeah. something. This is something I actually think about all the time, Della and Khalil. You don't only think about it; you you really obsess over this question because so much of your work is about pushing back against stereotypes. I'm talking to you, Ben, about yeah, yeah. like no, the crime I mean, and the violence and all of that. Yeah. And, and at the same time, right. So I'm writing about criminal justice issues. I'm writing about poverty and segregation in Chicago. I'm writing about what the reality of Chicago. And it's also like we're getting all these messages about Chicago, which are are extreme, you know, whether it's like this hellhole or whether it's, you know, oh, Chirac. You know, Chirac. That's the one. When that movie came that. out, you were so pissed. Those are just abstractions. It's like just just the worst stuff exists in isolation without anything else. But the bad stuff really is there, too. Like, and so, yeah. so the struggle is like to address these real issues because it's important to grapple with them, to wrestle with them, because otherwise we can't, we can't change them. How do we do both? The example I use when I get asked this particular type of question, I really feel like I'm preaching to the choir, especially talking to you, Brother Ben, is like my daughter has asthma. We probably on our way mm -hmm. to like go get a breathing treatment tomorrow the way that her asthma is going today, mm -hmm. right? So, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Thank you, brother. So I understand wanting to deal with the symptoms that are in front of me right now, right? When mm -hmm. she gets the coughing, she has a runny nose. I want to give her a hauls. I want her to blow her nose. I want to get the dehumidifier in her room, right? But you know, if, if that's all I ever do, each time she gets sick, she's going to keep getting sick. Mm. Every now and again, I got to go in the basement and check the filters, right? I got to see what's right. blowing through this house that's making her sick. Mm. Beyond that, right, I might have to get a plumber in because her room is by the bathroom to check the wet wall and see, right, if there's mold behind the walls that we can't see. What's my mm. long-winded point? When we talk about the people that got shot and the people that got killed, I'm, I hate that they got killed. I hate that they got shot. I think that that needs attention, but, like, that's where the stat starts and stops, right? And we don't mention that the three people that got killed are involved in the um, STL versus O Block war that started because Rahm Emanuel closed 50 schools 
And so three kids had to cross King Drive where formerly right. those kids never crossed King Drive to go to school. Then one of them got, sh- you know what I mean? Like yep. spell that shit all the way out. Right. And then talk about how it always, always, always goes back to some kind of systemic bullshit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We usually call it structural racism, but I like systemic bullshit better. Yeah. That is from the hair on out, Ben. Rest of the season is just systemic (laughs) bullshit. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation, with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. We are back on Some of My Best Friends Are with Sherman Dilla Thomas. It seems to me what you're saying is that the structural bullshit has to be addressed also by how people see themselves in their in the history of the place they live in. That, yeah, that, that all these stories you're telling are a way of empowering young people, especially that you should have pride of place, that a lot of people did a lot of wonderful things here and people have been fighting for justice here. You don't have to do this alone. You have this this, this inspiration and I'm going to tell you these stories. And guess what? It's not just a couple of stories. And it's not just Black History Month, man. Mm. It is fucking TikTok every day. I get that right. Every day. You know, they, they, it's kids that go to Irvin Mollison Elementary, which is on 
45th and King Drive on the south side of Chicago. Whenever I come across a kid to go to Mollison, I ask them, who is mm-hmm. Irvin Mollison? They can mm-hmm. never tell me. But then I say, have you ever read A Raisin in the Sun? All right, and they say, oh, yeah, right, with Lorraine Hansberry. Okay, well, it was Earl Dickerson and Irvin Mollison that were his lawyers that took that case to the Supreme Court that opened up Woodlawn, right, that it allowed for, well, it, that eventually Emmett Till's mom and everybody else starts to move in, in, into Woodlawn it's because mm-hmm. of Irvin Mollison and Earl B. Dickerson. Wow, there's so much history you've packed in there. I mean, this is why you're so amazing. You know, Everyone, including my own kids, have read Lorraine Hansberry's classic work, A Raisin in the Sun. And if people haven't read it, they might have seen the movie starring Sidney Poitier. And to know that the people who were responsible for helping that Black family, her Black family, move into Woodlawn and to help ultimately to bring down restrictive covenants, one of the main ways in which Black people were segregated all across the the, the country, including places like Chicago, that's a lot of important history you're talking about, man. Why aren't the people that go, you should, as soon as you walk into Irving Mollison, there should be a sign. You should have to read it every day to graduate kindergarten. <laughs> and then you right. should have to <laughs> recite it by heart to graduate out of eighth grade, right? And then, then you know what I mean? But Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of crazy and insane that kids who go to Mollison Elementary don't know that history, don't know the story of that civil rights struggle. That's their history. And so your your TikToks are, are both addressing things that we should feel pride in, and but they're, they are addressing these systemic bullshit problems. Yeah, for sure. Right? If you're traveling anywhere in the world, you're going to walk by somebody with a Cubs hat or a Sox hat or a Bears hat. And then y'all going to make this eye contact with each other, right? And give each other that head nod. It don't matter what ethnicity mm-hmm. they are. If y'all out of town, y'all both from Chicago, it's going to be an acknowledgement, right? Right, right? TikTok allows for that to happen. I don't see the head not back, right? right? But when they when they get the video and they see me, they're able to give that Chicago head yeah. nod. But it also sounds like you have a huge audience outside of Chicago. And if that's true, yeah. what do you think appeals to people who are not actually Chicagoans? Uh, I think they, the truth, right? Mm-hmm. You, there, you, there's a natural Chicago curiosity, L.A. curiosity, New York curiosity. And hearing bullcrap sometimes sounds like bullcrap. And so... And when you mean bullcrap of like vilifying the city, of saying the city yeah, is a absolutely. war zone, of saying that it's all like, did you? If you go in there, you're going to get shot. Like it's it's dangerous everywhere you go. Yep, absolutely. Well, last year, right, I announced that we won best big city for five years running by Condé Nast, is Reader's Choice. It's a national platform, right? Yes. Chicagoans ain't sitting around filling out that survey, right? People coming to Chicago is filling out that survey, and it's true. We're we're, we're an amazing city. I believe it was Northwestern that did a study that said it was like really, really telling too. Like 92% of all people who get shot in Chicago had a 95% probability of getting shot in Chicago based off of the lifestyle that they were living, right? Right. And so what that makes me want to talk about is the other uh, 2.5 million of us who are outside of that number who Hmm. day by day don't get shot, right? Who the probability says we aren't going to get shot because of the amazing things. But just the the culture and the sustainability of our city. Global warming is real. In the same way that everybody's beating up on Chicago now in 50 years, they got, we're going to be right back overcrowded just because of Lake Michigan. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm still struggling with this idea of what it means to be a booster for a place. And I actually follow you because it gives me, it makes me feel good about my home. And mm. I'm hearing things I want to hear. And I'm also walking the streets on the south side and, you know, a car suddenly zooms up. And the first thought that is in my head is like there's about to be a carjacking because there's actually Mm -hmm. been like two or three on the block, like not like imaginary stuff, real stuff. 
And when there's a shooting at the school two blocks from me, where parents are pulling their kids out and I've got neighbors who want to move. Like, it's not just the, the, that 5% that got shot. It's also like all the residual effects of all this stuff, which is real. As, as you know, and like- What you're really talking about is fear. There's fear. A sense of like, how do you even rationally deal with danger? I mean, you were talking about your father being uh, on the Chicago Police Department for 30 years. And you obviously, you saw a lot firsthand and you feel great pride in what he did. Like- even personally, how do you tell his story and celebrate what he did and also tell the story of abusive policing that's also part of mm. the story of, of Chicago? You just tell it, you know? Mm. It's, it's gonna have a little bias in it because I'm a Chicagoan, right? My perspective is black, so maybe I'm slightly rooting for the black guy in the story a little more. Well, what do you mean by I, that? I, just, like, the... I, I, I try to just have a very objective perspective about the stories that I'm telling. And, and I think because of the intersectionalities of my life, it makes it makes me uniquely able to do it right. You know, can you give an example? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, there was nothing better for me than to just watch. I, he taught me how to tie a tie at four. And so uh, I would tie his ties when he put mm. his uniform on and I would stand there and wait to hand it to him. So he just pull it around his neck and just seeing him put that badge on. Right. Seeing him put his gun in his holster. It gave me an. an he was a superhero to you. Your father was a superhero to you. And just not just it, he, he made police superheroes to me. Right. And then. It could be hours later, I'm at the rink on 87th Street on the south side with my friends and the cop will say, hey, move. And I don't move fast enough. And I got a nine millimeter at my head, mm. right? It, it didn't even get enough time to register your acts and me to walk away. Man, I'm that's crazy. So a cop put a gun to your head for what? And you're, you're not saying a hypothetical. You're talking about something oh, this, that this, actually this happened. Is not, this is 1,000% this is what happened to yeah. me. This yeah. is 1,000% what happened to me. I, I, I was chilling. I had just got my license. This is not a hypothetical, right? I, I, I Like I did all the time, handed him his tie to go to work and, you know, to have a great day, Dad. And, and still felt that pride that I had been feeling my whole life. And so both of those are true at the same time. At the same time, man. And yeah. it, it's, it's, those, it's so many stories. I come across them all the time. I'm only emphasizing how incredible this brother's storytelling is. I mean, he is he is telling stories that people ought to know. This yeah, isn't yeah. just a Chicago story. These are national stories. That's the other thing about messaging. And then I, I think that's our problem as a city. Like, not, as, you know, the people who work in City Hall, right? Whoever does our advertising, our messaging stinks. This is the worst, <laughs> right? So one last question, Dilla. One last question for you. You're celebrating all these amazing Chicago things. Everything dope comes from Chicago. So Khalil and I are from Chicago. Yeah, man. We want to be celebrated. That's right. Like, you know, when you do the TikTok about us. We're making history, a white guy and a black guy <laughs> getting together. You know, we broke the color line <laughs> of podcasts, you know. <laughs> when you do the TikTok about us, t what's the hook going to be? Uh, let's see who I'm going to compare you guys to. I think I will make the comparisons. Uh, you'll be Julius Rosenwald, right? <laughs> Sears, the, the founder of Sears Roebuck Company. Uh, so he's the reason why you know what Sears and Roebuck Company is today. When he took over uh, as president, they were at about 200000 a year. And when he left to pursue philanthropy, Bam. totally, they were like at $200 million a year. And this is 1920s money. All right. Yeah. So not the yeah, founder. Okay. He so just he built, built the company into something. He much built bigger. the company out. Right. Okay. He's also right. he, he, he created 2000 high schools in the South. John Lewis graduated from a Rosenwald school to name the Google. As soon as you hear this podcast right now, Julius 
roads and wall. Uh, ben, yeah. that's a lot, man. So I, I'm I'm like, damn. Well, what's left? So, so me? that 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 would be Ben, and then I think you, brother Muhammad, you'd be Carter G. Woodson, man. <laughs> okay, you know, uh, I love it. <laughs> such, uh, grad grad school at the University of Chicago, holding shop at the Wabash YMCA, which is on the south there side, which is the birthplace of Black History Month. Uh, all all of the lectures, right? He he personally. You know, schooled so many people. He he mm-hmm. he he got Archibald Motley to to continue to paint, right? That's right. One he, of the uh, he, Renaissance painters. He he was he was in Chicago at such a pivotal time, uh, teaching organizational skills, and then eventually, right, they found the Chicago Urban League. They get the Chicago branch of the NAACP, but it's a lot to do with people who were students of him while he was a student, right? You know, so that 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 be you too. Got it. Got it. I appreciate yeah, that. So Ben, good. Ben's a philanthropist. So Ben, I, I, I need some money, man. I need, hey, I need hey. you to fund my next research project. You know, when this serious <laughs> thing blows up, I got you. I just need this. <laughs> I just need this serious thing to blow up. But wait, it. <laughs> you are doing so much, not just for Chicago, but for lifting up the stories of our past that we need to know the good, the bad, the ugly. You are reminding us that for some of us, we come from greatness, meaning that you know people have sacrificed on on our behalf to to, yeah. to pave the way for others. And uh, I just so appreciate how much you are doing in that city and for your community, and especially for those beautiful daughters of yours. And listen, and you're also you're also showing a love for learning, which is infectious. Yep. And you know, we're feeling it, and I think you know everyone else who is listening to you is as well. Yep. Thank you. Right. Thank you very much. I was humbled when I got the request. I really, I really am. I, I appreciate both you guys and the work that you're doing, the, the legacy you both carry. Like I say, I uh, uh, I still think Ben Sorta owes me a hot dog. He sold at least 10 books. I do. I, I definitely do now. Now now after this show, I 100% owe you a hot dog. Thank man. you, guys. Hey, man, you're now one of our best friends. So I hope you'll, you'll come Word. back and join us at some point again. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Khalil, talking to Dilla, it's like those Russian nesting dolls. You know, you open one and there's one bit of history and then like you find out that story has 11 other stories inside of it. Yeah, well, that's I think that's part of the the beauty of studying a place is that in real time, histories are complicated. Places are complicated mm. and the people who make our lives meaningful to us are also complicated. And, yeah, yeah. and I think that's what we want to impart even in this conversation that we have every week. Oh, God, and I just like even thinking now that he has committed all of this to memory, you know, that this is all sort of in his head and he's telling these different histories. It's like it's so incredibly impressive and powerful. It's impressive and and powerful, but it also speaks to a bigger uh, moment in time. I mean, in an age of misinformation, he's still fact-checking and doing research. He's still looking at books. He's still going to the library. And I know for me, it's really important that people take facts seriously. And I think he's modeling for everybody, even in the age of of misinformation and social media, how important it is to 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 be grounded in in facts and evidence and and yeah. and to really see history as a, as a source of empowerment for everyone. That's a great point that that even though this is essentially online and that even if it's oral that it is based in in fact. And you saying that like I want to I wanted to ask you this like does the way that Dilla sees the positive in a history and 
raises the positive above all else. Does it change at all how you think you want to tell history? No, um, it, it doesn't, meaning that I don't see my histories as, as negative. I see them as essential. And to Dilla's credit, I think some of the stories that he's telling on TikTok is also about the lives of people who have been killed in gang violence or random uh, bystander violence. And I think giving those people a history of their own personal lives, a biography, a story of who they are, is not necessarily an uplifting story, but it is a story that is important to give more dimension to the context of people's lives. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'm like that as well, that I sort of get lost in the complexity of things. And, you know, he talks about the structural bullshit, of, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was one of to, my favorite to, to like tell those stories, but to also show that their effects are not the totality of experience. I almost come to the same point, but from the opposite side, you know, and meet him somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. I'm certainly like moved by him. Like I really, I really do listen to him because it makes me, it makes me feel better about my home. Yeah. And, and look, not for nothing. The fact that he's telling these stories, which many of which are uncovered and unheard of or buried in a book somewhere, this is not just the story of how the first skyscraper in Chicago was built. That's important. He's adding so much more hmm. context to a very complicated city, and we, we all should be grateful for that. And I'm, I'm grateful that he is now going to include us in that history. <laughs> so, uh, well, Khalil, love you. Yeah, man. I love you, too. And I'm grateful for you. All right, I'm grateful for you. Some of My Best Friends Are is a production of Pushkin Industries. The show is written and hosted by me, Khalil Gibran Muhammad, and my best friend, Ben Austin. It's produced by John Asante and Lucy Sullivan. Our editor is Jasmine Morris. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wong. And our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. At Pushkin, thanks to Letal Molad, Julia Barton, Heather Fain, Carly Migliori, John Schnars, Greta Cohn, and Jacob Weisberg. Our theme song, Little Lily, is by fellow Chicagoan, the brilliant Avery R. Young, from his album Tubman. You definitely want to check out his music at his website, averyryoung.com. You can find Pushkin on all social platforms at Pushkin Pods, and you can sign up for our newsletter at pushkin.fm. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And if you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review. And listen, even if you don't like it, give it a five-star rating and a review. And please tell all of your best friends about it. Thank you. And listen, I, I also owe Dilla a hot dog, you know, for, for being on the show. And just because I want to I want to tell him how much I appreciate him. And, you know, in the same way that he shouted out my book, I want to give him a shout out that everyone should go and follow him, you know, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. His handle is six figure underscore Dilla. That's six F-I-G-G-A underscore D-I-L-L-A. It's music even to say six figure Dilla. How do you create present and future value? As a leading provider of specialized finance, operations, and technology advisory services for Fortune 500 companies, emerging growth market leaders, and private equity sponsors— 
Cross-country consulting solves today's most pressing challenges and creates present and future enterprise value. With tailored, integrated solutions for accounting, risk, technology-enabled transformation, and transaction solutions, CrossCountry works as a strategic partner and collaborative part of your team. The future-ready business, insight and within reach. Go to crosscountry-consulting.com to learn more. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.